This is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay. <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to thank Central Works, as always, for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And on this rainy Saturday afternoon, we have Andrea Gordon. (laughs) How are you? Hi, I'm great. Uh, You are a a friend of Norman's. You are an actress. Um, (laughs) Do you do anything else? Do you produce? Do you Actually, I'm I'm mostly a director and producer. Yeah, I'm just going to bring your mic up a little bit. There you go. All right. Um, Can you hear me now? Yes. Good. I'm, I'm mostly a director and producer, and I do write. Plays. Right on. <laughs> what are uh, What are some theater companies you've been affiliated with? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, right. Or that's the latest ones. <laughs> um, I'm an artistic associate at Three Girls Theater in San Francisco. Hey, where we're doing Tasha. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I also um, have been recently uh, working through the Magic Theater. Mm-hmm. And I have worked pretty much at every theater in the entire Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is awesome. And we'll learn more about you. And uh, it's great to have you back, Norman. Uh, we I don't know if you knew this, but I snuck in a yay <laughs> about a couple of days ago where we had Rachel oh, Deathridge. Uh-huh. Yeah, on Wednesday. And uh, so we missed you. But you're back from uh, Mexico. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, Mexico is a lot easier this time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I've been getting dental work done. Ah. Um, um, had to go back and get crowns and, and extractions, all of which went pretty, pretty well. You know, extractions are sometimes they're just digging. <laughs> hmm. But um, my plan the first time I got stuck in traffic coming back, it's only a mile and a half to the dental office, to the dentist's office. And I got stuck in five hours of traffic the first time I did it. I sat for five hours, one mile to get to the border. Oh, horrible. And so I didn't want to go in this time, and there's a big parking lot there. So I'm like, I'm going to go in the parking lot. Mm-mm. <laughs> the lane I was in did not access that, and suddenly I was back in Mexico. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I drive to the dentist's office. I get my work done, and then I'm like, well, I'm feeling okay. Let's see how this thing works. And it turned I less than an hour this time. Mm. That same stretch. Got through and got back. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I've spent the week mostly recovering, um, mm-hmm. transitioning. Um, yeah, I think you were, I saw a post, uh, I think you were, are you acting in something? Well, I, I know you're preparing for I the will start Word rehearsals for Word. for Word for Word Monday. Yeah. Um, and that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's going to take up my time. So that's yeah. March. Um, so last nothing. week of March, mm-hmm. we tech. Show goes up. We run all of April. Mm-hmm. We got barely a week off, and then we fly to France. Wow! <laughs> and we do the show in Angers. I think is going to one town. At least the schedule at this point is one town, and then back to Paris. There's at least one show. They're trying to set up a second show. Mm-hmm. Then everybody else is heading back, and I'm staying. And Mara, my wife, is coming over, and we're gonna. Run around for a week. Nice. I went with them uh, five years ago, and she came for the first week, and that was another interesting scheduling thing. Normally, they would do more shows um, in Paris. There was some problem with the theater. They managed to find another theater, but we only ended up doing one performance, which meant we got a week of just sort of hanging out in Paris. Mm-hmm. 
Not bad. Very, very so nice. Now we're going to do it on the tail end. Mm-hmm. Now, that should be really, really cool. And this will be in, what, May or June? Does it bleed into June? May. No, no, no. We get back. I think we fly out on the 28th okay. of May. So, um, you know, the timeline thing always throws me. I'm never sure yeah, yeah. which way we're going. But. Now, that should be really, really nice. And amazing, it was five years ago because, of course, when you went back there, it was just as we were doing Four Men in Paris. Yeah. And so. I know. I got to have a great time. I went to all the Richard Wright yeah. Baldwin cafes and mm-hmm. got to take pictures. And it was oh, fun. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Super yeah. cool. I love Word for Word. They're wonderful. Yeah, they're they're an amazing little company. Yeah, and one that has stayed. I mean, we've been talking about the companies that have failed, right. like um, the um, Tabard. Tabard Theater. Yeah, that was one that just panel and fight. a panel fight, mm-hmm. and also uh, I'm thinking about um, exit. Uh, the Exit Theater. Mm-hmm. So I'm amazed at some companies that keep it going. Like well, in perspective. Just yeah. announced that they oh, are no. going to go. So there, Richard is opening now. I think it may have opened this weekend. Yeah, um, Richard the second, and they they announced that as their last production. Now is Julio? It's um, what is the guy's name? Um, you brought him in. Um, Will Brown? No, 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 no. Um, I may be thinking about another production because I know that the Pear Theater oh, is partnering. Pa- Julian. Julian Lopez. Lopez Marias, Marias, is yes. in it. Yeah, no, he, he stole my role. <laughs> <laughs> I keep publicly saying that. I'm like, I just, I, I can't wait to see Julian. I, I do want to see the show. Um, yeah, yeah. No, we've been pushing it here. And uh, oh, it's sad. Professor Theater. So this will be the, their last production. They said that's the big announcement. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Video announcement. Oh, I'm like, yeah, and, and also Dragon Dragon Theater. They, right. They've also yeah. closed, too. So I'm amazed that the companies that stick around that know how to handle the financial thing mm-hmm. and others that can't. Right. That's most of it. Yeah. Yep. Honestly. Yeah. And I'm hoping to have uh, Zach uh, Kopinas, is that his last name, uh, who runs uh, Three Girls Theater. I'm hoping to have him on next week. Oh, nice. Oh, wonderful. To have him talk not only about Tasha, the show that we're doing right now, mm-hmm. but also what it is to be a producer, what it is to be an artistic director and managing this sort of stuff because right. we could talk to the actors and we could talk to people on stage, but it's important to know what happens, you know, the, the administrative part of it because that's the engine that sort of keeps it running, you know. Well, on some level, but what I, like, the reason I wanted Andrea in is because yeah. I knew that she knew, well, one, just, you know, because there's that, we know where the bodies are buried. <laughs> we know right. what's happened. And, sure. But um, but also, there's this way where, and I think it's so much a part of what we do with the Yay, mm-hmm. there's this way where your identity as a theater artist can kind of eclipse the rest of your life. And right. you're either successful or not successful based on your last show. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, sort of right. reduced to that. And it's a ridiculous, um, it's an ridiculous equation. So I was like, I want somebody who I feel is very successful in life and who has done theater, you know, everywhere. At all the best, all the theater companies that everybody aspires to be at um, and can say, you know, and this is how it fit in my life and this is how my life took me in new directions. I'm like, that is what I think people need to know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because, you know, we've always talked about there's a life of the theater, but then people have lives outside of the theater as well. So how do we balance the two? And then as we were setting up the appointment to, to see, oh, wait, you're doing stuff now. You're producing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So um, there have been a couple of uh, current events that are, that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, uh, and I brought this up on Wednesday, but I want to, you know, get your perspective. So, uh, Don Lemon, uh, he is a um, commentator commentator at CNN, and he had been put off the air for a little bit because of a comment he made about Nikki Haley saying she's past her prime. Basically, (laughs) it was a retort for, you know, it's a Republican candidate who's running for president, ironically. And he could have found a better way to attack her or to criticize her he instead of focusing on the really age. she's really doing is running for vice president because that's what she's really doing. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Probably so. But this whole, you know, like women are past their prime if they're at over the age of 50 or whatever. And, right. I, you know, the person that I had on, um, Rachel Deathridge, she's a younger woman. But Andrea, I mean, I'm sure you've had to deal with this as an actress, as a woman, uh, just this whole idea of being invisible when you're past an age. I mean, is it, it's, it's just ridiculous, uh, don't you think? Well, absolutely, of course. I yeah. mean, Three Girls Theater was originally started, um, mm-hmm. and Girls was a joke, because yeah. the people that were um, founding it were over 50. Right. One of my dearest <laughs> friends is Lee Brady who is mm-hmm. in her 90s. Mm. And she is a brilliant, amazing, accomplished playwright, playwright mm-hmm. yeah. who has been performed all over the United States, Can still gets published, still gets produced. I've had the great fortune to direct 38 of her pro- of her plays. Nice. Yeah. And um, I, w- I met her at the One Act Theater yeah. a long, long, long time ago. And, you know, any woman can tell you that there's a certain point in your life when you walk down the street and you become invisible. Mm-hmm. Right. And the absurdity that somebody like Don Lemon would call Nikki Haley not in her prime when, you know, uh, presidential candidates who are in their late 70s who are men are being touted is is bizarre. You know, I can say a lot about Nikki Haley that doesn't have anything to do with her age, but I'm not going to write at this exact point. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have all sorts of issues. I mean, (laughs) I honestly think that of all of the Republican candidates, she is probably the most threatening to the Democrat Party because, you know, she she is, um, I think she's Muslim. Uh, I think her being a part of the Trump administration damaged her because she could Mm -hmm. have easily put her as, hey, I'm a Republican, but I'm not those Republicans. I'm not, you know, I'm not racist or misogynistic or I don't. Except she is, so. Well, yeah. I mean, she's put herself out there. And she's also not terribly, um, what's the right word? Smart. Yeah. So <laughs> Which you can say that. a lot of the Republican women. But I'm saying she doesn't market herself as that. She can no. market herself as a moderate, even if she is not. No. Yeah. Compared to the rest of the field, yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, compared to the people that are at CPAC right now, she certainly is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, even, I mean, it's sort of like the, the coronation of the king and all the music musicians not That's right, that to, don't want to perform. I mean, right. that's, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. Most of the somewhat viable candidates have not gone to CPAC because CPAC has just become a code for fascism, essentially. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, very much. And I hope the rest of America, you know, comes to grips with that. I mean, you know, I think America is thawing and sort of realizing just how toxic Trump is. So hopefully we've turned a corner. I mean, I've never had a problem with if someone if a friend of mine says, hey, I'm Republican. If you're fiscally conservative, that's fine. We can have a discussion about that. But if you have an issue with, you know, um, transgendered people mm-hmm. like Ron DeSantos, one of the uh, news that happened this week, Ron DeSantos hired um, appointed someone to run, I guess, a commission to handle the Disney property or the right. former Disney yep. property. He's on the and, board, he made, yeah. and he made a, com- a comment about 
homosexuality being a sin. He is, he's right. one of these ultra-religious folks. I mean, that's the far, far, far right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if someone is, you know, sort of moderate, um, I, I would disagree with that. But I can at least have a debate about that. Theoretically. Yes. I mean, I think I think people have to be very, very careful mm-hmm. now. Um, re- to me, republicanism has, has gone so bananas mm-hmm. that um, honestly, I, I don't feel like I have anything to communicate with a Republican at this point in time. In the old days, there mm-hmm. used to be people who were quite bright, Gore Vidal, people like that, sure. who mm-hmm. had cogent, coherent, congruent ideologies that could could be I could fathom them yeah. fathom them I I understood them and a lot of it made sense but just yeah. because somebody is fiscally responsible doesn't mean they're a republican right if somebody uh, you have to look at what is is trending in the party and I personally can't I mean I don't know that this country could survive another Trump presidency, nor do I think that um, it could survive a DeSantis presidency. I think that yeah. a lot yeah. of the beauty of what we have created over the you know the last fifty years will be destroyed by sheer stupidity, racism, and fascism. Yeah, no, I totally yep. agree. Yep. And Ron DeSantis is just a you know just another version and sexism, by the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's exactly yeah, right. Much, oh my. Uh, our vice president, or the way they are going at her, and I'm like, the woman hasn't done anything. Yet. I know. Y'all, we have on. a pro- we have a problem with strong women in power. We really do. There's oh. nothing wrong with Kamala Harris. I oh, mean, I'm, she's brilliant and yeah. she's wonderful. Yeah. Um, what I would say is that unfortunately, um, sexism is so prevalent that um, I'm not sure that this country is actually ready for a female president, particularly one who's black. And right. that just sucks on every level. Yeah. yeah. And I'm hoping with every newer generation that will change because I, I would just think <clears throat> in talking, like I'm working, working with Three Girls Theater, I, I get to talk with um, Danny Boy, <laughs> Danny Boy Hall, and a lot of, you know, millennials. And you get the sense that millennials don't have, they'll carry the same baggage yeah. as Generation Xers do. You know, they don't hold on to the flag, like, you know, like old-time Confederates. I mean, some do. We're but. in California, particularly yeah. in Northern <laughs> We're in California. Yeah. yeah. And we all tend to go to New York mm-hmm. and other places that are pretty much liberal bastions of, you know, different ideologies. And and I do believe that if you were to go to the heartland, mm-hmm. um, you'd be looking at young people that have the same nasty sets of ideas that their parents do yeah i think that we've all been taught to you know diversity is huge in our area people are open to ideas Mm -hmm. nobody gives a damn what somebody's sexuality is right we're very lucky we're incredibly Mm -hmm. lucky because we live in this wonderful bubble of of people that are just about growing, developing, being curious. Yeah. Now, as a follow-up question to that, Andrea, there are a lot of people who are um, moving. Uh, Like, I have a lot of friends who were in California who've moved to Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And there is a migration. Let's say someone's retired, or let's say someone looks at Mm -hmm. the job market or the housing market. Mm -hmm. Do you think that maybe some red states can become bluer 
because people well, are moving clear, there. Clearly they are. Yeah. Clearly they are. You know, you all you had to do was look at the last set of elections sure. to see what was going on. You know, I'm I've been a real estate agent for my day job for mm-hmm. the last 25 years. And these patterns of migration have a lot to do with property taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm. going out of control. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. If you buy a house right now for a mm, million dollars, your property taxes are going to be somewhere in the range of fifteen to $20,000 a year, depending yeah. on where you are. Yeah. That's a lot of money for somebody who is on a fixed income. Right. Sure. So what you see is a lot of, and also just weather things, you see a lot of older people moving to the Sunbelt areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot. Uh, there's a brain drain that's going on right now. My my best friend is African American, and, and she's moving to Portugal. There's something called Blacksit that's going on. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's there a big are a thing. lot of people that are leaving the country because they do not find that there's a possibility for them to live in an equitable world, and they yeah. don't want to see their kids get shot up in schools. Right. You know, it's funny. Um, the director of Tasha Ayodele. Zinga, I think one. I'm saying her name correctly, mm-hmm. N-Z-I-N-G-A. But we talked about that. We talked about people, because I've seen YouTube videos of African-Americans saying, hey, I'm in Nairobi, mm-hmm. or I'm in, um, I don't know, uh, Zimbabwe or something like mm-hmm. that. And they'll talk about the pros and cons, but the reasoning why they do it is because they just don't feel... They don't feel safe. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't feel safe and, and like they're going to be able to have the potential for a good financial life mm-hmm. that they could have elsewhere and it's really it's actually in many ways true and it's eventually going to really damage all of us yeah it's an indictment on america yeah 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 i i you know i love the bay area i Mm -hmm. love where i live yeah i i'm very happy whenever i sell a house because that person is moving into a community Mm -hmm. and they are going to start voting in that community and they're going to start thinking about what's important to that community Mm -hmm. and they're going to take care of their home they're going to be concerned about their schools they're going to be concerned about crime Mm -hmm. all of that i regard what i do as a subversive act because i am changing america Mm -hmm. one left-leaning liberal democrat (laughs) homeowner at a time yeah (laughs) One question, one question I never asked you, Norman. Um, do you and Mara, um, have you ever talked about the idea of moving? I mean, moving out of California we're, and all we're that stuff? We've talked about it. Um, I, know, I think you guys are very comfortable where you are. Well, the big thing is um, our careers. We, we are kind of rooted here in our careers. You know, both of us have had, you know, like three decades of working in the Bay Area the connections are like tonight. Mara is going to be playing at uh, Mr. Tipple Tipples Tittles. Um, it's in San Francisco near uh, Van Ness uh, Market. Oh, nice! Um, I think it's on Fell Street. It's, it's one, one of those the, little triangles. Is it a newer place? Because there are um, a couple of newer the, restaurants opening up. The venue up. has only been around for a little while, but mm-hmm. um, it's a cool ass little jazz club. We went few months ago to see it she's playing with somebody new there tonight mm-hmm. um she's playing because you know somebody knew her and they got her in um we did for mardi gras we were up at mare island with a group doing a little uh second what do they call it second line mm-hmm. you know um, new orleans yeah. style thing. yeah um <clears throat> those calls come because she's been here and similarly for me i mean i'm I'm happy about word for word, but I'm also happy because this summer I'll be doing much ado. Right on. And that was mostly a a phone call, you know, a series of emails Mm -hmm. and then a phone call because the director had just seen me in um, 
meet John Doe down mm-hmm. in San Jose State. Nice. Saw me last summer in the Mime Troupe show. Uh-huh. It was like, ah, yeah. We were having trouble because I was going to Tijuana. We were mm-hmm. having trouble. I couldn't make callbacks. Yeah. And so we kept going back and forth and back and forth. And she was finally just like, how about if I just offer you the role? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't you love it when you're on stage? That is your audition piece. You, haven't, well, you don't even know. Well, that's the thing. I'm mm-hmm. always frustrated by the the go study this two-minute, one-minute little piece and mm-hmm. then come in and convince us that you should be on our show, even though we're not like having an, any kind of extensive discussion with you about what we're doing or where it's going or how we would even see you in it. You know, you just sort of come in and you throw something out there and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's much better when somebody goes, God, I know your work. I've seen you do this and I've seen you do that. Bam. Yeah. That's that's the dream. Yeah. And that segues perfectly into, I didn't even write it up on here, but I have it here on my uh, phone. Every, mm-hmm. Through the week, if I know we're doing a yay, I'll see you like, okay, what subjects can we talk about? Yeah. But there is a controversy with SAG-AFTRA. And oh. SAG-AFTRA, apparently there are, I'll just reading, SAG-AFTRA scolds casting offices for charging for audition tapes. Well, Have yeah. you heard about this? Well, it's been going on for a long time. Yeah. That's so. yeah. It is an optical and ethical disaster. I didn't yep. realize that was going on. It's been going on for a long time. Uh, the stage people have just been... You've got no choice. Um, if you're trying to break into commercials or even film around here, mm-hmm. you get stuck going through the casting network. Ka-ching! Mm-hmm. They charge you. So they're not charging you per tape, mm-hmm. but they're charging you to be even in the mix. So even if you produce your own tape mm-hmm. on your own dime, if you give it to a casting, I don't know, director or these casting agencies, they'll still charge you. I don't even know how much. Well, I'm not sure where the charging mechanism is, but yeah. there is, there has been a gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when we had Rachel Jethro John, we did talk about because she's in the opera industry, and she mm-hmm. talked about how even in the opera industry, just auditioning or sometimes competing for something, it's it's a matter of privilege. If you have the money to pay for your dresses and right. all of the things that you need to do to audition, then you can get in. If you don't have the money, then you're out, no matter how talented you are. Well, and it's the same thing with Sam I'm Gaffer. glad to see the union stepping up because Lord knows equity <clears throat> equity could definitely um, be stepping up in that way. No, equity's attitude mm. seems to be, oh, you know, they're the producers. They either do it by our agreements or we don't work with them. And I'm mm. like, oh, well, but it would be really nice if y'all actually helped us get some work. Yeah, it's rough. It's really rough. But, you know, every there's a gateway cost to doing anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything's become monetized. Yeah, I do. I wonder how much of it is manufactured or how much of it is actual. Because if an organization says, hey, listen, we need the money to do this because this is what we're doing with Mm -hmm. the money. We need it to buy this and buy that and fund Mm -hmm. this and hire people. That I understand. But if an organization is, they don't need to do it, but they're just going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And they're going to push out good talent if they don't have the money to, then it becomes almost like a... um, what do you call it? Fishing pH? Um, it's like a... Like fishing scheme? Yeah, like a fishing yeah. scheme. Oh. I think that they do need the money. I'll be honest with you. Having mm-hmm. produced probably 70 pr- productions in my career, mm-hmm. um, it's always really expensive. And there's crazy costs you can't even begin to... Mm-hmm. Like when I did Billy Bud um, at the CA there at the Hyde Street Pier, mm-hmm. I had to buy maritime insurance. <laughs> okay. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. To do that show, yeah. and people don't realize that's thousands of dollars. Right. 
so there's there's all of these costs that are associated with doing anything and mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with insurance a lot of it has to do with um lia- yeah liability insurance in spaces what mm-hmm. have you it's crazy expensive so so I, I think if the organization can justify it if they can say why or this is what we're doing with it then i think it's fine mm-hmm. I, th- I do think there are some organizations that will charge us because they can mm-hmm. And, and, probably, yeah. probably, but it it also it's always been that way in everything. I mean, I, a mm-hmm. long time ago when I was first directing, you know, I didn't have the money to jump on a plane to New York, mm-hmm. but somebody else did because their parents were paying for it. Right. right, you know, and that's that's a lot of our world is that unfortunately, you know, I was having to work forty hours a week mm-hmm. and going to school right. and trying to be a director producer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people don't need to do that. It sucks, but it's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I would say, you know, on the opposite end of this, mm-hmm. there are a bunch of people who are kind of just squeezing it in, putting it together and trying to go under the radar. And, you know, one of the joys of being a union actor is the, oh, I can't work with you. <laughs> if you don't have the insurance to cover mm-hmm. this, I can't do Ab- it. Absolutely. Um, if you're not making sure that that is a safe set for me to step on. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah, and think about back in at the turn of the ni- of the twentieth uh, century. Mm-hmm. You know, like people would be risking life and limb. Oh on, yes, on these things. So a yep. lot of these things. I mean, they would work child actors. You yeah. know. Oh yes. <laughs> Thirty six hours at a time. What have you? If they, mm-hmm. if some of these things weren't in place, so it it all is reasonable if you go back to. Um, the origins of it mm-hmm. it's like peeling an onion though yeah. i mean you know you're going layer by layer by layer into mm-hmm. the history of all of it to see how it arrived where it is mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes you want to unspool everything and start all over again mm-hmm. just like you know i do with government um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> mm-hmm. but you can't because it's just so entrenched right. yeah but getting back to the unions it's good that sag after is protecting its people yeah, yeah, uh, I do think uh, it's yeah, but I think it's you know, wonderful. But I also I end up looking at the mm-hmm. Bay Area scene and going, mm, there's there's a, a you know a strata of people that's affecting mm-hmm. a lot of the other folks just are not that and yeah and that's it's been interesting to me in the recent like the last year year and a half mm-hmm. um, I've worked with a lot of young people. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Which makes sense because when you get older, that's what happens. <laughs> Everyone's younger. <laughs> you know, they're young people. The stories. I mean, like I'm. I keep playing the parents of. I'm playing parents of in word for word. I'm playing parents of in much ado. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's neat. I suddenly have all these children. It's kind of exciting. Um, but those people are young actors. Yeah. And when they start talking about what their experience is and what they're doing and mm-hmm. how they're hustling, yeah, and I'm like, ooh, I'm at the anti-hustle part of my career. Right. And I'm like, can I make this happen without me hustling? Yeah. And if I can't, am I at that point where I'm going to say, yeah, done? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, but it's mm-hmm. a totally different conversation than these young people are having. Yeah. And and also and also. If you want to do something because it stimulates you, excites you, is creatively interesting, you'll make it happen. Right. Some mm-hmm. things aren't worth hustling for, yeah. honestly. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, agreed. And that's and that's you know that's why individuals who get into theater they may have one expectation, and they'll realize, do I really want to want to do this? How passionate am I about mm-hmm. this to deal with the the bad sides as well as the good sides and all that stuff? And I think I could segue with this the third thing that I have, and this. Um, 
this article came, I think, a week or two weeks ago. CDC um, Youth Risk Behavioral Study did a study on American girls. One out of three American girls have considered suicide. Right. And they consider the articles right here, The Crisis of American Girlhood. Right. And, you know, as a boy, a man, or whatever, I have no idea. And also, an older generation, I have no idea what the younger well, generations the are going through. the study is teens. The study was all teens, mm-hmm. but... The difference between boys and girls was so significant. That's why everybody's written these stories. Yeah. Does it shock you, Andrea? Not in the least. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, the, the thing is, everybody is like discovering this stuff now, and women know all this stuff to their bones. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've, we have, think about it. Up until, like, what, the 1980s, mm-hmm. a woman couldn't get a loan. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I, I just, a credit heard card. About that. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, up until seventies you know, bank account. Yeah, I, I mean, we have been considered property. We've been considered everything but individuals who have our own right to express ourselves and our and to control our bodies and our and our money and our everything mm-hmm. um, for ever. Mm-hmm. And so, as a young girl growing up, there's this very strange thing where you are becoming a sexual being. Mm-hmm. And you, if you're if you're straight inclined, you're going to um, need to deal with men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the struggle of the of equality in that situation mm-hmm. comes to the play. You yeah. can't. Your experience is unique to you. You there, you have no one to talk about. There mm-hmm. is or talk with it about. Um, there's a lot about women that is under wraps even now. Yeah. And and you know. We've, Think about all the medical studies that are done. Most of them are done on men. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're not done on women. We 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 react to heart disease way differently than men do. Right. Yeah. But there have been no genuinely um, equivalent studies done on women. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those studies are just starting to happen in some fields. Right. Yeah. Right. So so it's and even, just, and even the political battle on the abortion pills. Yeah. You know, there's still governors oh. who are like, We're oh. we're not even gonna allow this to happen. What about those governors who were wanting to be marking girls' menstrual cycles? Yeah. Yeah, and, that is just amazing. Yeah. No, I mean this is the level yeah. of this. Yeah. The fact that we can even talk about it and not have <clears throat> the entire country outraged right. is mind boggling to me. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean Yoko Ono was right, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she surely was. I'm not going to say it, but yeah. but it it's just it bothers me, and and I try very hard um, in my work, in all of my work, mm-hmm. um, both theater and real estate, to make sure I'm not making assumptions about people mm-hmm. and treating each person as an individual. Yeah. Whereas our government tries to do otherwise. Yeah. Especially yeah. now, especially mm-hmm. right now. It seems like we're really pushing to go back instead of trying to just give people basic equality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's hard. And I, I mean, we may be hardwired this way for all we know. We are just animals when it comes right down to it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, but I do think that, you know, when Trump won the election, I really do think that, you know, when... Let me stop you right there. Yeah. Trump did, did not, not win, win the election. The election. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for the correction. Yeah. Yeah. Hillary Clinton got over three, four... Three million more. Yeah, yeah. Four, three, four million more votes than yeah. Trump. Yeah. But when those three, what was it, those three states or counties that yeah, pushed electoral the college, electoral yeah. college votes towards Trump, it opened up 
this whole sieve of these right wingers who are pushing because I really do believe that America mm-hmm. was coming more liberal. You know, we had eight, eight years of Obama. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had um, brilliant. Yeah, and when we just had the cultural, you know, mm-hmm. changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I really do feel that I always felt that it was an anomaly mm-hmm. of what happened in 2016. So it, I don't know. I, I I think that yes, there's a middle America that wants to hold things back, but I think in 2023, and I think that there's still far more people who do believe in racial equality and equality for women. They, like, we just like- need to. Well, yeah, and think about them. the irony of Anne Frank mm-hmm. in the attic space writing the words, I truly do believe that people really are good at heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that. one. The very, very last thing I tried mm-hmm. to <laughs> – but we did talk um, on Wednesday about Leo Frank. So Parade is a play that's happening in Broadway. Oh, right. And there were protesters. Uh, yeah. There were these right-wingers, uh, yeah. these national socialist groups which I'm surprised there are any in America, but, mm-hmm. you know, they... Oh, there are tons of them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the 100th anniversary of Leo Frank. Leo Frank was a... He was a factory owner in the South who employed... It's not right, but he employed some kids, and mm-hmm. one was a 13-year-old girl who was raped and murdered, and he was accused of it, and he was lynched. And this oh. is a Jewish man. Uh-huh. So that's oh, the play right, right, right. that okay. was being done, mm-hmm. and... These national social groups chose this play to protest and to make all sorts of uh, anti-Semitic statements. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing in 2023 we're still talking about this. We've always been talking about this. My whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, think about think about it. I mean, it, sometimes it's incredibly overt, like the Nazis mm-hmm. in the 1930s. Yeah, right. Sometimes it's just under wraps a little bit. I, I watched this thing on Colbert last night. Mm-hmm. We we tape it and watch it the next day. So I think it must mm-hmm. have been on on. Uh, Thursday, but um, he had Steven Spielberg on, and he was oh, right. talking, and he was talking about anti-Semitism mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. And Steven Spielberg brought up that quote from Anne Frank, but he also basically said, "Watching this rise mm-hmm. in anti-Semitism um, is horrifying." Yeah, but the reality is, it's always been there. It's just that because Trump was in office now all these dingbats think that they have the right to openly hate mm-hmm. yes there was a day of hate right did you, did you remember that they, this yeah. week day, yeah. day of hate they, yeah they decided oh. to call it a day of hate wow yeah. it's yeah. crazy and and uh, you know the idea that that's okay yeah is mind-boggling to anybody who's a humanist of any kind right yeah and and so you know anti-semitism it's it's not a new thing it's been there forever yeah which i think is the reason why parade is being played on broadway to mm-hmm. draw light on that and when we had dave motion on he's basically said that's the job to be done with theater or at least the theater that we do here in the bay There's area a play i don't know the play i as i was driving i5 yeah <laughs> i heard all kinds of things including la theater works and they were doing a play that was fascinating. I'm sorry I finally lost signal because mm-hmm. I was fascinated with it. Um, takes place in the South in a family home. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't get to see all the characters, but the three characters got to see was the young white son, young man, white son of the owner um, of these slaves. And there was an older slave and a younger slave. And it turns out the family was Jewish so the black slaves identified as Jewish. And I was like, 
I have never heard of this before. I can't wait to find out more about this. And I'm like, these are the sorts of things when we talk about, it's not about black history. It's about American history to talk about what these things were. And the fact that people in that position might be pushed to hide their their background Mm -hmm. if they can, if they are afforded that luxury. Um, But what a horrible choice to have to make. Mm-hmm. And then the notion that you would own slaves, <laughs> identify, like to the point of tr- raising your slaves, understanding your religious beliefs, sharing your religious beliefs, and yet still having to navigate that, what is slavery? How does that fit into the equation? I was like, I can't wait. I can't wait to find that out sounds, more that about That sounds this. really interesting. I'm always pissed at LA Theater Works. I'm like, why can't we do this stuff? What? <laughs> I, no, I want to look up, I want to actually... Ask Equity, what is the agreement they have? Why can't we do this here? Because mm-hmm. that's a pretty sweet agreement. You get to broadcast a friggin' play every week. Mm-hmm. Hey. I, I wish I could do that. That and that may be the the future of theater. I mean, streaming services, you know, we're already streaming movies and television shows and all sorts of stuff. Most so that of may the be, shows yeah. are being streamed right now. Yeah. There are different yeah. services that you can you can buy. That will allow you to get your show on streaming. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I really got to pay, so. but yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with that, Andrea Gordon, let's hear an origin story. Where were you born and raised, and how did the theater <laughs> bug bite you? Um, I was born in Berkeley at Alta Bates Hospital. Yay! All right. My dad taught at Cal. He was a pianist, and he taught at Cal. He also taught at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. Mm-hmm. And my wow. mother was an opera singer. Wow. And she sang all over the place, but she also <clears throat> sang um, with the San Francisco Opera. And like all good opera singers, very often in those days, um, she would do musical comedies when there was an opera for her to do. And so she would get me and my sister into the productions. Mm-hmm. You're older or younger? I'm I'm the youngest. Okay. And mm-hmm. my sister's uh, four year and a half years older than me. Mm-hmm. And so um, one year I played Greta, Marta, and Brigida in The Sound of Music because I kept growing. <laughs> my, mother, my mother was playing the Countess. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we were, we were doing this show... Um, with uh, Werner Klemper, if you remember him from Hogan's Heroes. Oh, wow. Um, yes, yes. And um, a lot of really wonderful people um, that I met along the way with that. And so I started acting really young. My mm-hmm. dad died when I was very young, and we moved to New York City. Mm. Wow. And I had a serious acting bug there. Mm-hmm. So my mom got me into classes. I went. This is New York in the 70s, is that right? This is New York in the 70s, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And. Nice. Um, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Wow. I went to the high school for the performing arts before mm-hmm. it became part of music and art and moved. Uh-huh. Um, so I was there. Um, I was a year behind Freddie Prinz and wow. Ellen Barkin. Uh-huh. And wow. they weren't very nice to me. <laughs> but um, but um, I got in a bunch of plays there. I, I realized I really wanted to direct yeah. even then. Yeah. And um, so I eventually... Um, I went to the New School for Social Research for a year in the freshman year program, went to school in France for a year, and then came back to UC Santa Barbara where I majored in playwriting and at the College of Creative Studies in the literature department. Mm -hmm. And um, so I basically took all my classes in the drama department because there were no drama classes at the College of Creative Studies, Mm -hmm. but I was able to use them. 
And then I went to San Francisco State for my master's degree in directing. Mm-hmm. And, wow. I'm alum. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> where I met a lot of really amazing people. And for my master's project, I created a touring production of Hedda Gobbler. And wow. Took I, it you all see that poster over. right there? I did a production of that. I saw that. I was yeah. like, wow. <laughs> yeah, my, I, I gave out T-shirts at the show that uh-huh. said, Give Hedda. Oh, <laughs> <On the front. laughs> yeah, um, that's funny. And um, so from there, I created a company called Tour de Force, and we specialized in doing site-specific theater. So if it was set on a boat or in a bar, we did a, mm-hmm. an award-winning production of uh, The Time of Your Life mm-hmm. at Specs Bar in North Beach, mm-hmm. which is why the alley between Tosca's and Specs Bar is now called Saroyan Alley. Uh-huh. And Herb Kane loved us. So we ran and ran and ran and ran and ran, Mm -hmm. and I ended up directing all over the state, all over, all over the place. Actually, I've directed in Chicago, I've directed in New York, I've directed in upstate New York, in the South, Mm -hmm. Southern California, and then pretty much at every theater in the Bay Area. I was going to ask you, being in New York in the seventies. I mean, that must have been. I I know you were a teenager. A lot of things were going on mm-hmm. in New York, and you know, like you had David Berkowitz, you had the blackout <laughs> for mm-hmm. to New York, Drop Dead, and uh, he, CBGBs. You know, the birth yeah. of, of punk. Yeah. How, how was life then? I I was your typical teenage maniac. I loved all of it. <laughs> so yeah, I I enjoyed. You know, I went to CBGBs. I I went to a lot of alternative theater. I went to a lot of you know wonderful wonderful stuff mm-hmm. um there and it really shaped me in so many ways my my job job when i was um there i was an usher at the vivian beaumont theater mm-hmm. and all the ushers knew one another and so we would trade off because everybody wanted to go see the plays so i pr- pretty much saw every amazing production you could possibly wow. see wow. during that time period and it was my school you know how quentin tarantino was at the video store, right? Um, I was ushering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I saw just amazing, mind-boggling performances by actors, and I I developed a real, um, genuine love of the craft, and mm-hmm. started to really understand what a director was. One of my first plays that actually got produced was called Blackout, mm-hmm. about the blackout. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh. And. Uh, yeah, if you can imagine a play set in the dark, <laughs> you'll, yeah. you'll know how wonderful it was. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, but I can imagine all sorts of creative stories that can yeah. happen. You know, individuals that plunged was, in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, my friend got caught in an elevator with a not a kid from Puerto Rico who didn't speak English for like thirty mm. hours. Wow. Things like that. Wow. Um. So yeah, my my theater journey started there. My it ended up with me producing and directing a lot of stuff, working at the, you know, all over the place. My home base was the One Act Theater Company, and mm-hmm. I was very blessed to be with a bunch of really amazing actors who are still friends to this day. And I worked a lot in Marin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then my last job job, I was uh, one of the artistic directors of the Eureka Theater, where ah, yeah. um where I ended up job sharing with Benny Sato Ambush mm-hmm. and Lane Nishikawa. Yay. Um 
because they didn't have enough money to pay us. Right. <laughs> and um, so we, we we'd held that together, and it financially could not work. And I got really kind of disgusted and fed up and mm. got my real estate license and started doing real estate. And I decided I would get rich. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how well I've been, how successful I've been at that. But, but in any case... Um, you know, I found that theater and real estate are pretty much analogous skill sets. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Think about it. Actors are able to deal with rejection. Yes. Mm-hmm. They know how to research a role. Yes. Mm-hmm. They understand the context of the space they're in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They know how to block things. Right. They understand what um, is important to make an audience understand mm-hmm. what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. I actually have this theory that if I started a real estate company that was entirely made up of actors, that it would be incredibly successful. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it could definitely happen. The minute you mentioned the Eureka, a lot of the posters that you see right now were from EastEnders who rented out the Eureka. Once they got that space. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, no, that's, because that's. That's a whole different era. I remember, like, I remember 16th Street and going and mm-hmm. seeing stuff, and that was the Eureka stepping up. That was you mm-hmm. know, them taking it to another oh, level. Oh, that was before that they moved to 215 Jackson. 215 yeah. Jackson is a place, is a space managed by the Eureka, but I, I don't I don't feel even like think they exist anymore, do they? The, the theater is there. Well, the theater's there, yeah. but I don't think there's 47th no, Street Moon is there. Yeah. There's no theater company any longer. Right. There, yeah, yeah. So by the time they got there, there really wasn't much of a theater company. Mm-hmm. Right. We basically we basically took on an enormous debt and didn't realize the ramifications of that and sure. tried to and actually it was part of the start of my education in business because I think I think that theater people really need to understand business just like you need to understand production you need mm-hmm. to understand all of that I mean understanding money which is always such a you know I don't know it's a very intimate subject in sure, many ways sure. yeah. um, but I think that that I had a lifelong hatred of anything that had to do with business yeah. when I was when I was a theater person. Sure. And becoming a business person and understanding business, I have a very healthy respect for business people at this point, mm-hmm. for people that can make money, hold on to money, put their money towards good causes. I feel incredibly blessed. Yeah. You know, last last year I raised a considerable amount of money for the Berkeley Humane Society. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do that That's if awesome. I didn't if yeah. I couldn't yeah, because we we we, of it, yeah. we we make the connection of money with capitalism and, and evil. the evil yeah. of right. capitalism, instead of thinking about what you know if you make money, what good things you can do with money. You mm-hmm. know how you can enrich someone. You know, like being a producer, you can employ people. Exactly. Right. You know, I was talking to Danny Hall. We were uh, in the booth, mm-hmm. and he talked about how being a part of Z Space. Mm-hmm. Has and enri- has you know helped him you know pay for his you know his room and oh, he has insurance mm-hmm. so that he doesn't have to worry about his health and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I knew that it empowered him mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of theater companies don't. So that is the power of money. That is the power of money do- being there done is, the right way. There is no theater without money. Yes, right. There is no theater without that generous person who puts money into a grant. There mm-hmm. is no yeah. theater because the because the United States does not support the arts. Yeah. Right. Just plain and simple. So it is absolutely, utterly, and completely dependent upon benefactors who will bring in money. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be a dialogue. And part of that dialogue is what are the issues, Mm -hmm. ideas, what is the interplay between that, that 
theater, that pure, beautiful art that we want to provide for people, mm. and and the money that we need to get it right, right, right. done. Yeah. One question I have for you: Obviously, directing became a passion for you almost very, very early. It sounds like, mm-hmm. as opposed to acting, what was what was what was so special about directing to you? Is so special. I think that it's because of my father. Hmm. My father would sit me on his lap when he was playing music, Mm -hmm. and he would tell me that every piece of music tells a story. Mm -hmm. And so I began to really love stories when I was a little child. And ever since I was, you know, like three years old, when I hear a piece of classical music, it tells a story in my mind. Mm -hmm. When I read a play and I look at it, I love the interplay of all the different characters, and I love... I love to understand what the writer is saying and how I best put that out on stage in a way that people will understand it and see it and know it. Um, That to me is really, really exciting. Um, I love, you know, I I love actors. I think actors are the most courageous people in the entire world. Mm. Mm. Um, I think that to be that vulnerable and to be that open and to be that, um, and to be that, that, capable of being that disciplined Mm -hmm. is an amazing thing and i respect it profoundly and when i'm working with really talented actors like recently i had the marvelous experience of directing a reading just a reading of um of taco jesus a play by michael lynch Mm -hmm. at the magic theater with michael mcshane playing the lead and the people in the cast were all amazing, and he is amazing. Because he's and not up here, right? He's, no, he's no. I actually, I actually uh, flew him up here because I wanted him for it. Hey. Um, but the thing, the thing is that when you're working with a really amazing actor, and you're using them as the vehicle for that speech that's mm-hmm. in the play. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It's like having the most amazing palette in the entire world to play with as a director. Yeah. I could say one word to Michael, and we have such inter. I mean, I've known him since I was 22 years old, mm-hmm. and I'm 66 now. Mm-hmm. So, so we had such amazing interplay that I could say one thing or even raise an eyebrow, and he would just change it. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was just, it, I was in heaven. I was in absolute, utter, complete heaven yeah. working it's, with him. It's wonderful having that connection between the director and the actor, because I think that's the job to be done. It's not just you directing a piece and telling actors, here, move here, move here. But it's sort of, tra- I want to translate my vision to you. Sure. Do you get the direction that I'm trying to point you to, or maybe point you towards? I mean, do you feel the same way, Norman? Well, there's also just the beauty, though, because that's I remember him from when he was here, when he was in the Bay Area, and was just <laughs> amazing. Mm-hmm. And to watch somebody like that, and to know now, you add in just the level of he's so it's so facile. It's all just he's there so for him. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. so able to make shifts or to make offers. And then that conversation with the director can be just an eyebrow, can be just something like, oh, yeah, 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 you're liking that? Great. Let's keep going in that direction. But it takes two people to really understand because it's like a relationship. It's almost like, you know, a marriage. I mean, not a marriage. But no, it's a a professional, it's an artistic relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's, I loved seeing the talent that I saw growing up as as I've been, had my career in the Bay Area. I love even more seeing those people who get to come back and keep doing it. Um, the piece that I heard on LA Theater Works, they said the actor was uh, Charlie Charlie Shaw, and I went 
Charlie Shaw. Again, I want to look it up because mm-hmm. we've got we've got a Charlie Shaw. Is right? This, is this our Charlie Shaw? Is that who it is? And it would be so exciting. I think, like you talking about coming from New York, you get to see a level of work that is just so amazing. And then you come to the Bay Area and you find out that a lot of that translates here. A lot of that is here. Oh, absolutely. And and people don't know it. If you're outside of the field, you don't necessarily well, know. It's like you don't have to go see that movie. You could actually walk into this theater, and you will have at least as profound an experience. Well, it's a diff- and it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's a really different thing watching a movie to watching a play. One yeah. of the things, there's a relationship that happens between the actors and the director and the mm-hmm. set designer and the sound designer and the costume designer. There's a relationship that happens between the actors and the audience, the play yeah. and the yeah. audience. It's very, very, very different. And one of the things that's a pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. I have an enormous pet peeve and I'm hoping to change that <laughs> at least in the work that I do moving forward is that a lot of people are who are not here and granted I brought Michael in but he had right. done the role originally 35 years ago at okay. the Magic Theater ah. um, and this was a rewrite of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not Magic at the One Act Theater Company but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really hate it when Perfectly wonderful actors are overlooked for parts, and they bring some movie star in from someplace else to do it. We have amazing actors in the Bay Area. Yeah, Yeah, we do. And we also do not create opportunities for people to learn and grow and develop when we bring in movie stars from from outside. Yes, it sells tickets. It's it's a knee-jerk reaction because they're like, well, if we bring this individual in who has no connection to the Bay Area, well, that'll bring in tickets or whatever. And it's like, it's it's a, you're defaming the very people here who are just as talented and you can create a star. You don't have to hire a star, you can create one. And in the old days, there used to be local stars. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, everybody that worked at ACT, everybody that worked at Berkeley Rep were local People yeah. that lived in this community. Mm-hmm. And to me, theater is nothing, you know, if it's not community in that mm-hmm. regard. It's a it's a beautiful word and it should be used more often. Yeah. So so to me, building a building that's just to house people that come in from outside and spending millions of Which dollars doing on right it when now, it could have yes. been put into educational programs, could have been put yep. into new productions, mm-hmm. could have been put into social programs relating to theater. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind and depresses me massively. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to put together, and we'll see, uh, trying is a bad word I hear in (laughs) neurolinguistic programming. I am going to put together a television series. Ah, And I'm trying, and that this is a word, trying, to Mm. to do it in the Bay Area. And one of the the obstacles is that there's so much nimbyism that it is almost impossible to get permits done it yep. costs like what i've been discovering in this process that i'm doing is mm-hmm. it costs like three times as much to do a production in northern california in san francisco oh. than it does in la or mm-hmm. vancouver or mm-hmm. many other places that right. are trying to be extremely friendly to movies and and television and this lack of of flexibility yeah mm-hmm. is making it so that that can't happen here. And that's been a long-term problem. I mean, there was a woman who had... Which is weird, because we have these little film commissions, Mm -hmm. but apparently no real strength. There's one one person who works in the the film... um, I can't remember the name of the organization here Mm -hmm. in Oakland. Right. Um, 
but like there have been a lot of people they were trying to put a beautiful um, production company uh, sound stage etc on Treasure Island right yes I remember did not happen yeah yeah that's right I remember that talk yeah when the military there was military or there was maybe it was George Lucas who had moved out and now they're now they're building luxury condominiums there yep joy that's just ridiculous Um, so so point being when they make it hard for people to get to that level here yeah you know one of the pieces of advice Tony Tacconi because I was bemoaning the fact that I had done all this work in the Bay Area and couldn't break into some of the stuff at mm-hmm. bigger theaters, Tony Tacconi said, well, you have to go away. Right. You have to go away. What a shame. You shouldn't have to go away. You yeah. should be yeah. able to do it here. Yeah. It would be nice. It would be nice to be able to do it here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What question I was going to ask you, because I imagine you have directed uh, actors from all sorts of generations, mm-hmm. um, Generation X, uh, Y, Millennials. Mm-hmm. Do you notice a change in actors, I guess, a new generation who approach, I don't know, a piece, you know, you may have directed, mm. I don't know, Hedda Gobbler in, in the 80s. And That's then you directed exactly again in 2000s. <laughs> and a new generation approaching a piece, maybe differently because they come from a different perspective. Have you noticed any changes or any differences? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are very different. I think that um, I think that millenn- you know, just like if you watch advertising trends on television now, every ad you watch tells a story, mm-hmm. right? And stories are great. I love them, mm-hmm. but the new generation wants to have a beginning, middle, and end. They want it to tell a story. Right. They want it to to take them someplace. Yeah. They also have not known the same immediate level of adversity that our generation or mm-hmm. your generation. Yeah, yeah. Our generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, I think we're all over 50. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, experienced. We've, we are, I noticed that Gen X and, um, and boomers are a little bit tougher and mm-hmm. a little bit more independent. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed that millennials tend to want to do something if everybody else likes it mm-hmm. uh, yeah i so for me i feel like the, the other thing is just wisdom i think yeah. that i think that when you're young you don't know anything mm-hmm. and you start <laughs> learning and you start yeah. learning stuff which applies you, to every generation yeah, yeah everybody yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't basically you're in, as far as i can tell you're not a grown-up until you're in your 40s yeah and prior to that your prefrontal lobe is still developing and you're mm. learning you know it's funny i was talking to a lady friend of mine about the amygdala and the the uh the the cortex the amygdala is where, uh, the part of the brain that your emotions come in every time you have a panic attack or if you mm-hmm. freak uh, out or you know just emotionally that's the amygdala and there's the what is it the cerebral the cortex fight or flight exactly yeah <laughs> the cerebral cortex is the one that's supposed to yeah. generate knowledge and that's that has to be developed right mm-hmm. so that's why young teenagers you know they flip out because their cerebral cortex is not you know, right not developed they Go don't know, yeah they don't i mean they they literally do not know they yeah. have not experienced it mm-hmm. they right. don't know what their response to be to it to an experience will be whereas older actors have had those experiences and yeah. they have that wealth to draw on right and so i think you work differently with different segments of the population yeah have you found that to be true norman uh like oh. do you how do you deal with um younger actors as opposed to older actors the thing i'd say in the last decade that that 
I'm learning is what I realize I've seen my whole life and didn't know what was going on, and that's this old person silence. You just learn at a certain point to shut up. It's not worth <laughs> yes. wasting your breath to try and explain. Yes. So when you do that, you realize this person is on the wrong path, and they're not going to listen to you. How can you either get them to that place where they go, ooh, I've got, I can't do this, or ooh, I'm getting, this is a struggle, and they'll finally listen to you when you go, just do this, just do this one thing. And so I've gotten really good at Mm -hmm. just do this. And so like um, I've been doing SF Playground, Mm -hmm. Playground SF. And um, I was in the Monday Night Playground. My friend Lisa Ramirez. Yeah. (laughs) Lisa? We don't get Lisa very much. I wish we did. Aw, <laughs> she used to do more. Um, yeah, well, that's the wonderful thing about SF, Playground SF is you, the all of the Bay Area talent, you get a chance to see and work with them. But I was doing a piece as an actor, new director, not understanding really the the sort of short, quick, we've got we've to make this work. We don't have time to discuss and try something out. No, I've got to... <laughs> I've got to give it my best shot or I've got to reduce my expectations of what we're doing because that's all we're going to get. And there were a number of times, it's funny because talking to the playwright recently, he was like, I said I was trying to, there was an actor who didn't have as much experience. And I said, I'm trying to be respectful of this actor. I know he doesn't know as much as I know about making theater. That doesn't mean his performance may be just incredible and mine may just be very working you know, I may just be Workman at that yeah, level. administrative. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm trying to respect what he's doing, and I'm trying to bring my best game, and I'm trying not to d- direct him. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to leave that up to the director, but the director and I are engaging in another conversation on a whole other level, and that's what the playwright pointed. Out. I was like, "No, you kept coming back at her about stuff," and I was like, "I did," and every time there was any tension, I shut up. <laughs> I tried to shut up. But when it got to the performance, I was like, okay, I knew this might be a problem, so I'm just going to bring this now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a director, that's what I find is I'm like, okay, you're not really understanding where I'm trying to get you. Is there some other way for me to do this? Is there some way I can get you to understand? Or yeah, or do I need to shift and find some other way to do yeah, this? Yeah, because you may not have the time to have waste the conversation. Of it's just a waste of breath. Yeah. They I, don't get it. <laughs> I think that... I. Th- I, I've had that experience working with somebody, you know, sometimes you cast somebody in a play and they don't turn out to be as amazing as you thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have to find a language with which to essentially manipulate them yep. into doing what you want them to do. Yep. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's just as simple as you walk down stage and you mm-hmm. pick up the book and look at it intently or you, um, or you sit down and, and put your head in your hands. And just wait. Yeah, just wait five seconds. I literally want you to count five seconds. It, exactly. I mean, it's choreography at that point, but it can work, too. It, it work. Can... Well, that's where the respect piece comes in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I can do that and then leave room, I'm not saying trust that it will happen. It may be nothing more than an actor counting five seconds. It may be that they discover something else in that moment. And I take no credit for that. Right. And I love those moments. So yeah. that's where I feel good about dealing with these other generations. If the actor is working, 
off stage if they're because when they come back on the stage to find things that you didn't you know or let's say yeah. they yeah then you know that they're working well and, or they're bringing i i i freely admit experience. that there are things that are happening in the world now that are just past like TikTok. I immediately, as soon as I understood TikTok, I'm like, done, not going there, not going to do it. Yeah. I understand I'm missing out on part of our culture. I'm missing out on where the social communication is happening yeah. right now. I'm going to be an old guy. I'm just going to say, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So somebody who can bring that in and make it work for me, mm-hmm. I'm thrilled. I'm like, thank you for that thing you did. And audiences love it. I don't get it. But it works. It works yeah. within the play, and it works for the audience. And if this happens too much, I'm going to have to retire. <laughs> you know, I, I I think it's all. It is really just a question of language when it comes right down to it. Mm-hmm. What is gonna What is going to resonate for somebody? Mm-hmm. How do you get them to hear you? How do they you get them to hear the play? How do you get them to 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 work in concert with the other people that are on stage with them? Mm-hmm. And you know, I I. I really do. I have incredible faith in young people. I I, yeah. I, I love them. Yeah. I love them because they're they're like one time. I'll tell mm-hmm. you a mm-hmm. real estate story. Mm-hmm. Um, some people were moving. Mm-hmm. They had a four year old daughter. Mm. She was crying in the corner. I thought she was sad because they were leaving the house. Yeah. She was sad because she thought she had to leave her toys for the new people. Uh huh. Right. Mm. That never would have occurred to me. Yep. I was not thinking like a four-year-old child would think. <laughs> yeah. Right. So sometimes when you're when you're in those situations, it's good to take that step back and be silent and just listen and watch and wait and see, because the person's experience of reality, which is part of why you cast them in that part, mm-hmm. may take over at that moment, and you may see something new that you didn't. I, I will tell you this. Yeah. I see beautiful, amazing things in my head when I read a script and when I think about directing and producing it and putting it up there. And I can count on one hand the Mm -hmm. productions that I've done where my expectations were not exceeded by what the actors with their brilliance and their their life energy brought to that piece. It might not have always been 100% what I wanted to see up there, but who's to say that what I exactly wanted to see up there was the right thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll share one quick antidote. Um, As a stage manager, sort of a fly on the wall, watching Mm -hmm. the rehearsal process of three girls, um, Janae Simon is doing a magnificent job as Uh, Natasha McKenna and mm -hmm. so many other characters. And it occurred to me... I, you know, I haven't talked specifically with Janae about what her experience has been dealing with racism or dealing with, you know, sexism mm-hmm. and dealing with what, you know, black women have had to go through. And she's working with a director who is older, Dr. Ayodele Zinga, yep. Yep. who um, is a activist, a poet, um, a doctor, yep. you know, uh, so and so. In the rehearsal process, Ayodele is trying to say, well, listen, you know, this is how a cracker white man from, you know, the Deep South sounds. Right. She has to play this character. Right. And Janae's doing her best. And I can tell the back and forth there's a little bit of tension because mm-hmm. Ayodele is not seeing what she wants to see right. from Janae. And Janae is frustrated because she's throwing all sorts of suggestions out there, mm-hmm. doing the research. Right, yeah. But it's not something that's in her bones. Yeah. Good, luckily so, because no one wants to deal with the racism and all that stuff. <laughs> But the cool thing is, we're on our second week, 
And I'm seeing things on stage that I have not seen the rehearsal because she's just continually growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even there's scenes where, you know, Natasha's being locked up in jail. And this is their second time seeing Natasha mm-hmm. McKenna in jail. And all of a sudden, she's freaking out. Or, you know, Janae is, you know, using her voice in so many different ways that she never did in the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So she's continually working. I can tell she's continually listening to what... Ayodele had said, you know, a month ago in rehearsal. Sure. It may not have, you know, sunk in then, but it's sinking in now. Exactly. Because she's continuing to work. She is amazing. She's experiencing also the the audience. Yes. And the response that the audience is providing. Mm -hmm. That is part of the dialogue that people forget about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And trust, trusting your actor. You may say, I mean, I, so many times my dad has talked to me. He's like, man, I just don't know if I'm getting through to you. <laughs> this right. is what he would tell me when I'm 12, 13 years sure. old. And now he's like, oh, yeah, you were listening to everything I was saying because mm-hmm. I needed time to absorb yeah. you know, what he was trying to tell me. And Janae, I'm sure actors go through this all the time. Janae is amazing. Yes, she is. She, she stepped in on a piece last year. Um, we had somebody... Oh, I think she broke her leg or broke her foot. It was mm. something like that. We're like, ah, and within like a day or so, we suddenly had Janae. Yeah. Well, the other actor I was just, I was in love with. I was just like, oh my God, this, and this was all Zoom. This was right before mm. we stopped doing Zoom. Sure, sure. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, how are we going to find somebody else who finds all this nuance and finds this sort of delicate type take on this character? Mm-hmm. And the character is supposed to be like not even a teenager yeah <laughs> and i was like how 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 how, how? janae comes in we kind of work through it within like a day and then bam it just was there and and it was there in her own unique way mm-hmm. um but it was so clear that she was allowing a lot of things to just happen mm-hmm um, and I was like, I I can't really take any credit for this, except for not getting in the way. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And that goes right to what you were yeah. Yeah, saying as a director, you know, the language, mm-hmm. how to speak, sometimes when not to say anything at all, and just let the actor trust the actor. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I have profound trust for actors most of the time. Yeah. I've been incredibly blessed, though, because I've been working with great people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're about well, the one hour. Uh, yeah. Now, oh. I was just going to say one last thing. I mean, where do you see yourself? What do you think about Bay Area Theater now? There are a couple of theater that is, that is closed down. There are some that are really thriving, um, you know, uh, some for the right reasons, some for, you know, not so right reasons or whatever. But where do you see the state of Bay Area Theater you know, today? I'm incredibly excited by it yeah actually i i you know sometimes theaters need to close sometimes they're finite they have an idea and their idea runs out of time or runs out of context yeah um you know by and large of course it's an incredible shame that theater is not publicly supported uh, or or supported by the government in particular ways yeah but i believe that there will always be theater i believe it's an absolute urge inside people Mm -hmm. to have that sort of communion yeah Uh, um and i think that the bay area being the incredible creative tumultuous place that it is will always be a center for beautiful theater Mm -hmm. and i and i'm i'm in love with it i can't wait to do more yeah, I was taking. I was going through Berkeley, and I was taking pictures of all of the closed down movie theaters, mm-hmm. right? Like the California yeah. and yeah. the Shattuck and whatever. I know. And now I, the Elmwood is threatened too. Are they threatened? Yep. Yeah, and it. I I said to myself, well, maybe 
millennials or the younger generation just don't want to congregate anymore. I mean, you know, already malls are shutting down. Everyone wants to do everything online. I'd like to think that theater is the last bastion where people will still congregate and see something live, something they can't get online. Theater and church, yeah. yeah. I was worried coming out of the lockdown. I was was like, is there any good reason for us to come together again Mm -hmm. until we started doing it? And then it was so clear. Even everybody masked, you could tell they wanted to be there and they wanted to be in in the experience and the shared experience. Because it's stuff you know. Like, Mm -hmm. you can feel an audience take the breath with you or laugh at Mm -hmm. something. And even in masks, where it's a little quieter, you could still tell they were having that experience. And... Um, with um, Meet John Doe that I did at mm-hmm. San Jose Stage, to, there were so many people who commented on our set. And I was like, the set was supposed to be a radio, 30s radio sound stage. Mm-hmm. That's what the set was. And then we kept bringing things in and out, and there was all kinds of lighting and stuff like that. So that's kind of what they're talking about. But that means really what they're talking about is the experience that they are sharing in. In a space. So the fact that I'm rolling a chair from scene three to scene four, I'm rolling a chair across the stage and then setting it as the scene begins and getting out of the way. That whole experience is them. They're taking all that information in. They're part of it. And I was like, oh, no, we're, we, people... Like you said, we want to come together. We want to be in that live experience. Yeah. I think that, I think that you know, look at how people now are hugging one another when they see each other. Yeah. We've been through a really crazy experience. All of us have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I had lunch uh, two days ago with a friend of mine who's a neuroscientist. And humans have an absolute need to be in culture together. Yeah. We, we are not solitary animals. Right. We are pack animals. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the opportunity except at a workspace or a theater or mm-hmm. a church mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. some other event to come together that way these yeah. days. And I think it is absolutely tribal and important and part of how we grow intellectually and emotionally in concert with other people yeah so i i I think i have a lot of faith in theater i think theater is going to um move us forward into the the next decade yeah i certainly hope so yeah and i was thinking about sporting events i think that's the job to be done with that as well i mean our need to cheer for (laughs) for being the niners or whatever it is right to feel the team yeah. yeah but theater is one of those places where you can come together see something live but also see something you do not expect i mean usually when you go to a movie you sort of know from the poster and from the you know the The trailer the trailers that you know what's going to happen uh but but Walking into a theater, you have no idea what the experience is going to be, right. what the story is. And there's stuff that can happen. Like I was at um, a, a couple of Sundays ago, I was at the Magic watching their show Travelers, which mm-hmm. was just gorgeous and beautiful and really interesting. And it had a beautiful talk back. But at the very beginning of the show, mm-hmm. they were using a smoke machine. Mm-hmm. It tripped the smoke detectors in the building uh-huh. and the entire this. audience had to go out right. and wait for the fire marshal to come and clear the space and you know mm-hmm. whatever and all the people it was sort of like like 
everyone out there became community because yep. we were mm-hmm. waiting. Some people left, but most people stayed. Some people started uh, rehearsing a scene from a play that they're working on, in the, <laughs> and, nice. and, and people started, you know, acting like they were the audience for that. Yeah, um, people I would never have spoken to. We all started having conversations about what brought us there that day, mm-hmm. and then we were allowed to filter back into the theater. And I realized when we were waiting in line to go back into the space that we had all gotten closer and actually even knew some of each other's names Mm -hmm. and it created an even more shared experience when the play started up again and the way the actors handled all of it with aplomb and Mm -hmm. grace um, made us root for them a little bit more and I think that the experience Mm -hmm. was way more memorable because I had had that experience and that's the anything can happen when you get into a theater yeah yeah which isn't going to happen when you go watch Top Gun at a movie space (laughs) you're absolutely right you're absolutely right so, Viva La Theater. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also wanted to make sure that we, and I don't know if you were saving it as a question, but aren't there's projects you're working on now, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, let's uh, talk about that. Um, right at the moment, I am uh, going to be doing a production at the Magic Theater in January. Um, it'll be their, their, the beginning of their season of a mm-hmm. play that I wrote called Miriam and Esther Go to the Diamond District. Uh. <laughs> All right. Wait, yeah. our Diamond District? Um, no, New York's Diamond New York's District. New York's Diamond District. Yeah, okay. But, but um, it's it's a it's a memory play. You'll. I want you both to come. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll be awesome. We'll check that out. The Magic Theater. Cool. Yeah. And that'll be twenty twenty four. January 2024 uh-huh. and then in the meantime right <laughs> in the meantime I'm working on this other project that I mentioned and mm-hmm. there'll be more about that and I'm hoping to employ a raft of actors in the Bay Area very very cool mm. alrighty um, birthdays um, I see you getting your list I up I got my list uh, Lex Chesler is um, I love the people that I met through improv because I never really thought of myself as becoming an improviser and then I was <laughs> So Lex is an old, we've, we are both old, old improvisers. Um, Nato Green, who I don't really know through theater, but he is an amazing local comedian, and he's a native San Franciscan, so I'm always kind of thrilled about that. His birthday's coming up. Uh, this is actually more of a memorial. Um, Reed Davis um, was an amazing Bay Area theater artist, uh, director, actor, um, teacher, professor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's no longer with us, but his mm. birthday's coming up this mm. week. Mm. I'm going to skip this one because I think you have it. Mm-hmm. Ezra Bristow is um, a young actor-dancer who I met through the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts up in Richmond, where I have worked for years. His birthday's this week. Ben Tucker, um, older African-American actor. Um, we got to do a series of um, August Wilson pieces um, one live and one on Zoom. <laughs> Very fun. Um, high school friend, high school alum, um, P. I don't know what the P stands for. I always knew him as Stan. Stan Lawson was part of our theater group, especially for the musical theaters. Um, Kathleen Antonia, is, her birthday is coming up this week. Ah. Amazing. <clears throat> and somebody just mentioned her a couple of days ago, and I was like, yeah. I'm always happy people I don't get to see. I'm always happy to hear. Yeah, actress slash um, lawyer, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> heard the stuff that she posts. I think she's. I think a lot of folks are just a little quieter on Facebook than they used to be. But mm-hmm. she writes some very incisive stuff. 
Um, Victoria Mejia, I knew as Victoria, Victoria Mejia, she's now M- Victoria Mejia Doi, mm-hmm. um, is a wonderful comic, um, Asian American actress. And uh, the last one I have is Rico Anderson, who I ah, went to San yeah. Francisco State with, has been down in LA for a while, mm-hmm. and it's the dream of every Star Trek fan to end up <laughs> in the shows, and that's he's gotten to do all these little spinoffs. Mm-hmm. So he's been having a great time, as well as having a career, an acting career in L.A. Nice. So those yeah. are my birthday kids for the week. Um, Michael Muhammad, who is a uh, director, he directed Candide. Uh, that was a while back. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is a wonderful, uh, I think he's also a choreographer. Oh, His birthday was March the 2nd. That was two days ago. So happy birthday, Michael Muhammad. Linda Huang, a good friend of mine. Who is a techie? Uh, she, I usually, I'm worked with her. Uh, I think it was the birthday party, one of the last productions of Off Broadway West. Mm. And um, we got to get more techies on. We got to get folks who are behind. We're, we're overdue on techies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, Linda, uh, happy birthday to you, March the second. Uh, let's see, Wiley. Her- ah, Terrence Davis. Uh, oh, actually, uh, Terrence Davis. He is. I almost got him confused with Terrence Smith, but yeah. he is an alumnus of uh, Duke Ellington School of the Arts, a fantastic dancer. So, uh, mm-hmm. Terrence, happy birthday to you. Also, March the 3rd, Wiley Herman. Um, mm-hmm. Remember, we had Wiley yeah, I on. we had him on, yeah. <laughs> and he was in, what was the San Francisco film? It wasn't The Last Man in San Francisco. Last it was Black Man, no? No, it was something else. I can't remember it, but uh, he... He's in very, very active in Bay Area theater and also independent uh, movies. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. Wiley, happy birthday to you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, of course, Eko Yamamoto. I think you saved that for me. <laughs> Her birthday is March the 7th, and uh, she is doing something. Well, I'll bring up the shows, but she's doing something right now. So, Eko, happy birthday to you. And that, that's someone who has had an, an incredible career here mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. Um, Don Hardwick, he is uh, running or co-running the Playwright Center for San Francisco. Ah, and mm-hmm. he and I, uh, we were on stage. I think we did one ten in the shade, um, and that's it. Those are those are the um, plenty of birthdays. That I have. <laughs> plenty of birthdays. Shows. Did you want to pump anything? Um, I not. I, I would love to, but I just don't know titles. Um, there's mm-hmm. uh, the show that um, Aaron Merritt has directed. That is yes, be, Tea Party. It? Yeah. Uh, you know, the Aaron Merritt story, which is developing, has been, I mean, there have been all sorts of articles written about her and her battling with, I think it's, um, what is the disease that she has? Uh, I think it's I think it's ALS. Yeah, um, I think it is. It's whatever it is, it is, it is degenerated very quickly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So she is really more typing more than speaking. Yeah. But she is directing Tea Party, um, playing at ACT Strand Theater, March the 2nd through the 19th. Yeah. And um, Cassidy Jamal Brown is in it. Luel Senores, one of our yeah, best yeah, yeah. actors, <laughs> friends of ours, uh, is in it. And uh, it's just, you know, just the play is incredible. And... The fact that she's directing while going through this is yeah. incredible, and the and the support that she's getting is incredible too. Yeah, it has it's been. beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Um, Three Girls Theater doing Tasha. That's uh, the show that I'm stage managing. Uh, Janae Simon's doing an amazing job. That ends March the 18th. We're in our second week, so please check that out. And we have a link for that. And where is it? Uh, that'll be at Z Below. Oh, that's right. That's right. Duh. Yes. Yeah. And are they not on on the 18th? Are they not having a special event for the original artistic director AJ? 
Maybe I haven't heard about it. Yeah, I think but, uh, they are the last, the closing day. I believe that they're doing an event. Oh, very cool! Oh, nice. Very very cool. So, so we'll have a link to that, so you can check up the details and updates and all that sort of stuff when you click on the link. Yeah, Richard I'll be, the second I'll be rehearsing there. So. Yeah, <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> yes. Small world, huh? Um, the Pear Theater is collaborating with Perspective Theater. We've been talking about that. Richard mm-hmm. the third. I'm sorry, the second, March the 9th through the 26th. Julian Lopez Maria's is in the show, mm-hmm. so we have a link for that. We T- haven't had Will Brown on, have we? No. We should get Will on. Got to get him on. We've talked about Tea Party. Um, Songs for a New World. Uh, Gateway Theater is, that That will be where Songs for a New World will be. And this is a benefit for Swing Left. Swing Left is a political organization that does uh, voting registration oh. and all sorts of uh, other um, mm-hmm. act supporting um uh, candidates who support the left. Great. Um, and a good friend of mine, Jessica Coker Moore, a fantastic singer. Mm-hmm. I've worked with her at uh, Ray of Light Theater, and she is in the show. Mm-hmm. So uh, click on that link. Um, Chanticleer's Theater is doing Little Shop of Horrors. That ends March the 5th. Oh, it ends tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, Curtis Manning and Max Chang, they are in the show, and they've yeah. been posting all sorts of uh, cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, so they're having Curtis a lot of fun. getting some nice notices on his beautiful voice. <laughs> there you go. Ah, he sings. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Sixth Street Playhouse is doing A Raisin in the Sun, and uh, Terrence Smith is Walter Lee Younger. So mm. I'm sure he's doing a magnificent job. Mm-hmm. That'll be March the 2nd through the 19th. We have a link for that. Theater Rhinoceros is doing A Guide for the Homesick. February the 23rd through March the 19th. It's directed by Alan Kismorio, and we have a link for that. Uh, Sankofa Theater Company. Um, oh, is that? Okay, our, the last day is tomorrow. Is tomorrow, yeah. Uh, the Piano Lesson. Uh, Tanika Baptiste, and we've had her on, and mm-hmm. she is directing the show, so click on that link. A Midsummer Night's Dream is, doing, is being done at San Francisco Shakes, so that'll be March the 1st through May the 6th in I various think locations. It's a touring show. It is. Yeah. It's, it's on yeah. various locations. We have a link, sfshakes.org, so you can check out where it mm-hmm. will be. Alan Coyne, who is in everything, yeah. is in that. <laughs> if we go a week without saying Alan Coyne, something's wrong. <laughs> right, exactly. Paradise Blue has been getting rave reviews, and that is being oh, yeah. done at the Aurora yeah, yeah. Theater. It closes March the 6th, unless it gets extended. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Ashbury is in it. Don Monique Williams is directing it, and we have a link to that. San Francisco Playhouse is doing Clue, March the 9th through April the 22nd. We mentioned Echo Yamamoto. She is in that as well mm-hmm. as Dorian Lockett. Yeah. So uh, we have a link for that. Um, Central Works is doing Mondragola, which is a new play written by Gary Graves and directed by Jan Leifler. March the 18th it opens and it closes April the 16th. So check that out. Oh, Steve Ortiz, Steve Ortiz is, in it. is yep. in it as well. Uh, Sticky Rice, also Theater Rhinoceros is doing that. That's a stage reading, only one day only. Oh, yeah. March the 14th. Eli. Eli yeah. Orquiza, who is also who is doing an amazing job. He is also, um, he's working with a group at the Kennedy Center. Um, oh. I want to, um, I'm going to pull this up. I can't have mm-hmm. it on my phone. And I meant to bring it up a little bit later on. Hold on for a second. I can know I can find it. You've got it. You know you've got it. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. I found it. Uh, Philippine American Theater. Um, what are they called? Philippine American Theater artists are hard work creating a world premiere at a musical at the John F. Kennedy Center of the Performing Arts. The Magnificent. It's cut off. Darn it. Hold on. Hmm. The Modification. The Mortification of Fovea, Fovea Munson. In any case, that's a 
piece that he's working on, mm-hmm. and um, there's a wonderful picture of him and a bunch of other Philippine American artists. Yay! And working at the Kennedy Center. I mean, Eli, he is a mover and a shaker. No, he's I know. Doing all we sorts we of had a Zoom stuff. meeting this week, and he was not able to attend. Mm. People were saying, he's doing all this stuff. Like, <laughs> yes, he is. So check out Sticky Rice, Theater Rhinoceros, uh, March the 14th. And there are a couple of podcasts. Barry Graves is doing uh, Black Man's Heart, so check that out. We've been pumping that. Mallory Somera, our consulting producer, her day job is KCBS Radio, and she is producing two podcasts, As Prescribed, a weekly conversation with leading medical experts, and It's Generational, where she talks with people from different generations about various subjects. Mm-hmm. Central Works has the Central Works Script Club. That is a podcast where you can download and read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with the playwright. Bendels of Studios has the Fobcast, so check that out, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. We have our jerseys. Um, we have our white jerseys, our black jerseys, so check out the yay jersey, and uh, <laughs> you have your little jacket. jacket. <laughs> uh, that'll help us out, so support us as we support Bay Area Theater. It's only $30, and you can um, email me or IM me, and uh, you know, we can talk about how you can Venmo uh, $30 or so. Mm-hmm. That is it. Um, did you have a good time? I did. This was a much more far-reaching conversation than I thought we would be having. So. And hopefully that's a good thing. I mean, It was. It was yeah. awesome. I was really interested in what you guys were saying. Yeah, yeah. no, thank you, Andrea. And, uh, you know, uh, Norma was like, hey, I'm bringing someone on. I was like, I have no idea who she is. And, no, uh, but what, what rich history you have. So. Yeah. And I wish we could have talked more, but I just I don't want to dominate people's time. And also, we're, we're getting out of the rain. It's been, yeah, while we were yeah, talking, it was yeah. raining hard, then it stopped raining, then it started raining again. All right, for uh, anyone who's listening to us, we're on all the podcast apps. We're on the Apple Podcast app. We're on Spotify. We're on Overcast. We're on SoundCloud. So if you have an Android, if you're an Android user or you're an Apple user, you can find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Our Twitter feed is the A3. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Andrea, is there a place where people can find you? AndreaGordon.com. Right on. You have your own uh, website. Very yeah. cool. And you don't do the social media. Twitter, I do. I Instagram. Do. I, I'm, on, yeah, I'm on everything. Facebook. Okay. <laughs> Andrea Gordon? Um, yeah. Okay. There you go. So if you're looking for a fantastic director or if you're looking to buy a house, <laughs> check out Andrea Gordon. That is it. I'm going to let you guys go. And as Norman and I always say, we've we got to find, find a better, better sign off. And we are out.